for you. Yeah, yo. There whenever it matters, and even more when you feel like it doesn't. Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't. No, I'm right alongside you. Here but that, I'm behind you, but always got you. End of discussion. Nothing means more. First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for. Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours. And know that I ain't see a better view yet. I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret. Know that you covered. Not a hurdle or a heartbreak to change what a partake. Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway. My job is to aware you. Fully loaded. Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, I've been down. Cause feeling's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Dad Is Not A Now. My name is Ishmael. Hope everyone's doing well. I have my great guest with me today. I have my good brother, Caesar Burrow, Caesar B with me, as well as Brother Boyd with girl. me too. I was in New Borough in Manhattan. I was like, I live in Manhattan. Ain't no thing, it's okay, man. Caesar Barajas, and I love that it Barajas. Barajas. relegated right back Barajas. to Caesar B. You're good, man. B. I that's like good. that. That's like a, a, a R&B singer name. We B. were just talking about that. I, I should be <laughs> dropping an album soon. Can't wait for it to come out. But, brothers, thank you for coming on. Um, we had a great conversation last time, you know, dealing with mental health. And I want the discussion to keep going on because I think the one thing we don't talk about, because what you guys um, – uh, being caregivers, you know, you boy, mm. you take care of your your pop. Uh, Caesar, you, with him October first, and and Caesar, you take care of your your pop too. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of like dig into that conversation a little bit. But before we get into that, who is Caesar? What's good, beautiful humans, soaring eagles, warriors of light and love. Everyone listening in, thank you so much. I cannot tell you how much of a joy it is to get to see Ish and my man Boyd, uh, my brothers from other mothers. Uh, My name is Cesar F. Barajas, a.k.a. Cesar B. Uh, I'm the creator and founder of thejourneywithcesar.com, which is an affordable subscription-based meditation library. And my key to teaching yoga and meditation and breathing techniques is that I want to continue to give that to people who are underserved. Let me take that back. It isn't underserved. There are no underserved communities in this country, the U.S. of A. We have politically ignored countries. So in this country, our underserved are often underrepresented and politically ignored. And so I feel as a Latin, first-generation American, son of Mexican immigrants, that that's part of why I'm still alive. And on the sideline, I get to teach and coach for multiple apps, adjunct professor at Columbia University, uh, have been guest speaker at Fordham, Rutgers, Manhattan College. And with all that said, ultimately, I'm a mental health advocate. And so I'm honored to be here. Thank you. And then also talk about, um, you know, when you in a Broadway play, Miss Saigon? Oh, yeah. And, and on the Miss side Saigon. of all of that, <laughs> I, I've seen leaving that out. Award winning, <laughs> multi hyphenate performer. I've had the, the pleasure of getting to work with Oscar winners, Tony winners, Grammy winners, Emmy winners. Uh, congrats to the recent Emmy winners. 
from Ted Lasso, uh, one of the co-creators of that particular show, is a dear friend of mine. We were part of the same LA company together. Um, and so it's an honor that I get to do TV and film and Broadway musical theater and stunt work and fight choreography. Um, so it, it's I'm, I'm living a fulfilling life. And it's even more fulfilling now because I finally realized how to enjoy it. So we can get into all that later, but like I'm, I'm loving awesome. the fact that I and get why, to be you know, here and be present. And why are you being modest? What about uh, in the Heights? Bro, just <laughs> talking about that. Uh, <laughs> love that I get to be part of the In the Heights family. Uh, I have known uh, Kiera Lagria Udes, Pulitzer Prize winning playwright and author, and Lin Manuel Miranda for for years and uh, the the multiple people that have been a part of bringing representation to broadway broadway for years and years and years was was whitewashed and what was represented in regards to people of color was often stigmatized and misappropriated and so to have been a part of something like that and, and that's also part of what i speak to as, as the activist yeah. read this soak yeah. it in the activist in me yeah. says hey in order for us to find a way to to get messages across we have to disrupt so let's find ourselves disrupting and i know that i'm going to pass that off because my man boyd nelson rainmaker has been disrupting people in the ring and in life yes, for years has. so yes ain't nothing like a couple of jab jab crosses from the rainmaker i would hate to be on the receiving <laughs> end of one of those combos yes and uh, yes brother boy who is boyd for how come y'all's cameras look so much your scary. camera is fine. Stop it. This shit is grainy. Your camera, you're illuminating right in the screen, dude. That's you're right. illuminating. You're illuminating. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm under interrogation now with these lights. <laughs> uh, so my name is Boyd Melson. Uh, my boxing nickname is a Rainmaker, and that's an alias that I've taken towards many different things in life and the key component of it is rainmakers bring hope when there's drought, when there's famine, when there's suffering. And the rainmakers, they, they treat everyone the same. They cool things down. They help people believe. They inspire their belief. They don't help them. They help inspire their own belief. And so I'm, I went to West Point, I'm a major in the Army Reserve, Iraq combat vet deployed out there. And I boxed full time. Once upon a time, I earned a WBC regional title while doing that. I was the world champion of all the militaries in the world once, and I was a member of Team USA for some time. My uh, One of my best friends who's been a guest on your show is Sean Porter. Uh, I speak to him a few times a week. He's going to be fighting Terrence Crawford on on uh, pay-per-view November 20th, and Sean's in camp. And we I came up with Terrence, too, and, and Sean and Terrence are close, so uh, are friendly. So it's, it's funny, this, this whole incestuous relationship boxing has that people don't really realize exists. And, been together since they were little. Uh, I do a lot of nonprofit work. I help with drug community, drug addicted community, people trying to live sober, uh, spinal cord injury community, and then just physical challenge community, period. Communities without daddies in their lives active. I was a mentor at the Steve Harvey Youth Mentorship Camp. And my story was covered, I'm featured on HBO Real Sports. And uh, I was on The Breakfast Club as a guest before with Charlamagne the God and Angela Yee and DJ Envy. Uh, while I was deployed, I helped co-write a movie script called Round One, and it's dedicated to mental health with the slogan above, take life one punch at a time. Ish and the Real Dads Network have helped, and, and Brother Caesar helped with making it, leading the charge with their testimonials. We're starting, trying to launch a, a social media mental health campaign called the Be Heard campaign. Heard is hear, encourage, recognize, discuss. 
You know, everybody needs to be heard and to share their own mental health experience. We're using the term experience rather than challenge or condition or disorder. Because every moment you're alive, you're perceiving the world through your brain. So you can, that's the mental part. So you experience, experience. Sometimes it's a good one. Sometimes it's a bad one. Some of them stick. Some stick and you don't realize they do until they decide to unstick themselves later and remind you that they're there. And uh, we're going to be filming our teaser for this show on Porter's The Star of Our Movie. We're going to be shooting our teaser for this uh, in December. And we have uh, Michael Grillo, who is one of the associate producers, producers, producers of about uh, six to eight, I don't remember the number, Marvel movies. Is waiting to see this teaser and excited about that. And I went to Pumptime ran for United States Congress. I had the honor of speaking in front of the White House. And I pulled out of that race to go deploy so I could do my part because I hadn't deployed yet, so I needed to do that. I don't know if I'm volunteering anytime again soon for that. Mm. Uh, perhaps unless I feel compelled again for whatever reason. And uh, we're here right now. Mental health's real big. Oh, I just I just submitted my last track. I'm in the process of making a. It's called motivational speaking album. I I like to refer to it more as inspirational speaking album. And to music and background, my dear brother Sean Bracy, who's been featured uh, on NBC and, and ABC for what he does, put it with his gift. I decided, I didn't even know, I'm going to enter one of these speaking contests, the ultimate speaker in, in Vegas next year, so I can compete. It gets me hyped up. The idea, like, I felt like for a fight when I read about it, I might as well challenge myself. Worst that happens is I fall short, but I, I believe I'll do pretty well and with connecting uh, with people. And I'm flying on out to Charlotte next month because we're going to part of this album. We're going to make a small YouTube clip that has graphics to it and asking what the album's about. And the biggest thing for me with this sucker was why I don't call it a motivational speaking album. I think that there are, for my taste, enough people out there doing a hell of a job, especially like Eric Thomas, um, telling drill sergeanting people how to be mm. the best they can yeah. and say it in different words, but it's still the end state. How do I get you to, to realize who you are? And I kind of focus on a little more throughout my album of different raindrops that I'm sharing, uh, offering reflections and maybe sparking something in you to maybe try to change your own life's weather based off the experiences I've had to try to help you with moving forward and especially reaches out to those people who have made it already and they don't need to be motivated anymore. They know how to do it. It's what, what's been left behind in the carnage, perhaps, of, of them doing it that they uh, need to address so maybe they don't repeat the same mistakes going forward. So I'm real excited. It's called Raindrops change your life's weather and yes. uh, thank you yeah, man. Man. I'm excited, I'm excited for everything man I can't thank wait this right here, I, one of the tracks is on mental health there's 10 of them and I'm real excited to see how it comes out and and I'd be happy to talk about that track during oh this. yeah I feel yeah. like we're gonna bring it up yeah. anyway we're gonna we're gonna have you I'm gonna have you back on we're gonna play the whole track on the on the show yeah we're gonna do like a like a, a album release Party. I just say, yo, I wish we were, you know, we could do like a Tower Records CD release. <laughs> to you kids who don't know what a CD is, we used to listen to music on it. I still tell people I'm making. Are you kidding me? I, was, <laughs> I tell people I'm making a motivational speaking CD, and then I go, and like, what? <laughs> yeah, you know what? what? As, a, as as shit and giggles, you should just make a CD. Man. <laughs> they still sell them. Yeah, they I mean, do. We, ain't, we ain't that old. Come on, I know, man. right? No. <laughs> But you should bro, still that, throw the party anyways, boy. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Whenever that gets released, man. 
I'm just gonna say thank you. I'm yeah. gonna sit back with, with a robe and a cigar in my mouth and just do it as you should. You should, man. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you guys are amazing brothers. And again, I thank you guys for coming on. And the one thing you said, Caesar, that kind of hit home to me was to politically ignore. Mm -hmm. And the one group I think is ignored because, you know, this is Suicide uh, Prevention Awareness Month. And I, have any, I haven't heard anyone really talk about uh, the soldiers, the veterans um, that lost their lives due to suicide. Mm. It's like I, our brother, brother Greg is do did amazing thing by bringing awareness by uh, walking eighteen hundred miles. Mm. Um, but that was the only person. But I haven't heard anyone. I want to hear what do you guys feel about the lack of awareness or like letting people know that you know, you know, this is a serious issue. Well, I would preface this to say that. Boy, my man is still in, so I, I salute the major. But I'm also a seven-year Navy veteran. And this past weekend, I was up in the Catskills teaching and leading a yoga and meditation retreat for a group of 15 veterans that are all students at the Manhattan College in the Bronx. And it was an absolute joy because we had gathered there a group of men and women, all shapes and colors, ranging in age from 25, just got out of the military to 41, had spent 13 years in various ranks, all of them enlisted. And it was something that was compelling to hear these individual stories. And so I'm gonna challenge you, Ish, because you mentioned like there isn't enough awareness. I would disagree. Okay. I believe that there is awareness. There are people who are empathic to the cause, the problem is, is that it becomes a fly by night. So we talk about it when something comes up and then it sort of falls to the wayside because we as humans anyways are inattentive. Right. We find ourselves focused on whatever is flashier. Squirrel. Yeah. So we, so how do we keep it in people's mouths? We just keep doing what we're doing. Keep talking about it. I will always and forever be an advocate for veterans specifically, but we have to all understand that the veterans encompass all shapes, colors, sizes, socioeconomic status, sexual orientations, creeds, religions, and we don't, as Americans, embrace that. Like, give me the land of the free all day, yes, I believe in all of that. But the problem with American soldiers, American sailors, American airmen, American Marines, American uh, Coast Guardies is that we don't keep them in our thoughts and our prayers unless it's going to benefit someone individually. That doesn't go for everybody. And I know that what I'm saying may ruffle some feathers and you know what, it's okay. Talk to me, let's have this discussion. But in order for us to keep this party going, we have to keep talking about it. So the, the fact that we're celebrating, celebrating a suicide awareness prevention month, why are we not just doing it all year long with that same emphasis? Like we're in the midst right now of National Hispanic Heritage Month. Yeah. Yo, why we give Black folks Black History Month and this distorted month of the year? Like, why does it have to be like a sell it set period of time? Why isn't it something that we just continually speak to? Thanks. Uh, boy. What's the question? <laughs> <laughs> how do we keep raised awareness? How do suicide, suicide prevention, keeping the conversation going, keeping it in people's mouths. Uh, 
you know, people get their information now from social media. So that's one of the things that we're trying to do with this campaign, if we can make it go viral. And we're trying to get big personalities and profiles such as yourself, Brother Caesar, such as you, Ish, with leading the way and showing it. We've got a few celebrities already. And I think when people see celebrities opening up with it over social media for everyone and anyone to see, they may realize it's a safe space to do it because mm -hmm. this dude I watch on TV or female I watch on TV is doing it. It's not, I don't think it's going to be the government because for whatever reason, I think they equate that with a failure on their end as opposed to just realizing it's being human. Before the U.S. came about, people were killing themselves. So it's not a U.S. problem. It's not anything the U.S. failed with. And I think it falls again when you say the flashiness that um, inherent to putting yourself out there to help try to, to approach someone when they're at that moment means you're going to have to give of yourself and more than just that moment. Because when all, when you leave that person and you're in your universe, their universe is still in that space. So it involves time to check up in and time is very valuable, especially in a, in a urban area. Time's positive. Everything's moving fast. So that's not what we're about. Most of us are selfish and we want immediate gratification and it's interesting, the reward, Matt, the greatest reward ever, you keep somebody alive. Yeah, That's the greatest reward. But a lot of people, I think, until they may lose somebody themselves close so they know what that pain feels like, it's not something worth investing in because there's no return. And it's like, if you did a great, you keep them alive, it's the type of thing, you don't know how good that feels until that person dies, yeah. kills themselves. So it's a trick to that type of reward, the feeling you're doing. It's like we always... Uh, I'm on the advisory board for Stop Soldier Suicide. And our thing we used to say is we want to work ourselves out of a job. Like, that's not what we're about. We're not about, we want to do great in our job and keep it up. But what if the job you're doing great is so you don't have a job one day doing this? That goes against the way we think in our country. The, the consumer market of I want, I take, I get, I enjoy right now. And that's the, self, I think that's the selfishness part. And I agree with that. And also, what do you think about like the the personal connection of being responsible for your neighbor? Because like you were saying, we're in this consumerism idea. I got to get mine. I got to get yours. But how do we reprogram myself to just be there for our neighbor? Because usually our neighbors are what we look on the phone. Hmm. Right. When the last time have have anyone gone to like your neighbor down the hall and say, "Hey, how you doing? How's your day?" Normally, we just we 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 tax people or tax you know the people that's around us that's in our little phone. So how do we like reprogram ourselves to connect with not just the people on the phone, but just just people around us? You could take mm. that brother Caesar if you want. Well, I, I love the way you presented it about like we keep everyone within our own social circle, you know, on the phone. I personally, I have made it a point to connect whenever I can. I mean, we're we're still in a pandemic, friends, as of this recording. So even prior to pandemic, people weren't conscious, like you said, is to go down the hall and politely just introduce yourself or whatnot. So what I've taken to doing is trying to rid myself of the crabs in a bucket mentality and understand that there is enough goodies and dessert and pie and celebrations and winnings for everybody. 
And so I've been a part of the entertainment world for 30 plus years. And the competitive nature of the world is let me do what I can. It's, it's, it's rolling the pearls down the stairs in the movie Showgirls. I'm taking it way back. It's, it's I'm going to knock you out so that I can take your place. Instead, why can't we apply that? It's not a crabs in a bucket mentality to the way we live. So if you and someone else are both up for the same promotion and they get it instead of you, why not celebrate them? Because that giving, that care, that compassion, I assure you will come back tenfold. But instead, we're societally taught to be punished, to feel punished. So what I try to do in a sense of creating a sense of neighborship is just to make sure that whether it's the person that's taking my coffee order, a stranger on the street, my own family, my friends, is to genuinely ask, how's your heart? I stopped asking people, how are you? People throw that question away. Yeah. How you doing? Good. What's up? You good? Yeah. No, no, no. If I ask you how your heart is, I want to know where you are right now. And so even if it means for three minutes, you and I rap at the Starbucks counter and the people behind me get aggravated, well, guess what? I'm hoping to shift your line of existence maybe just a little bit more towards the positive. Because who knows, maybe that three minutes that I spent conversing with you and really just sharing that I like your shirt or I like your tattoos or we chatted tattoos, that that's going to take you out of that place where that morning you woke up and you didn't want to be on this world anymore. We just have no idea. We have yeah. zero clue what people are going through. Yeah. And so how do I create neighborship or create a neighborhood? Everybody's my neighbor. I'm Mr. Friggin' Rogers, yo. <laughs> I just try to live life regardless of whether you're black, white, brown, polka dotted, green, glow in the dark. Yo, just with kindness and compassion, even with those, and this is the hard part, even with those that I don't agree with. Instead of facing some sort of animosity towards those who believe that the vaccinations are a hoax or that the COVID pandemic doesn't apply to them, I approach it from a sense of curiosity. Well, tell me why. Oh, because you haven't been personally affected. Can I share with you that I've lost seven different people to COVID, including my aunt? And then once that comes into play where there's a level of curiosity rather than abrasiveness, then change is going to slowly start to happen. But it takes it takes the efforts of every single individual. And I'll be damned if there are some days where I'm just tired and I'm like, I don't have it in me. But we fight on. We're still here. That's right. That's right. And I love how you say, like, I love how you engage with people with the, the phrase, how's your heart? Because, mm. you know, we say, how are you doing? Like, like it's nothing. But how's your heart? It changes the discussion. Mm-hmm. It, it, you're like, uh, my my heart? Yeah, yeah. your spirit. Where you at today? And if I'm genuinely asking, you know, and I stopped going up, and here's another thing. Boy, I don't want to take over this question, but like when I when I approach anybody, I don't ever want to be in a position of directiveness. I don't want to say to someone, have a great afternoon, because that's me telling you something. It's not my place to tell you anything or to direct you to do anything. What I say is, as I approach the window or the counter, I hope the morning is being good to you. Wow. As I leave, really hope the rest of the evening goes smoothly. 
That's me exhibiting hope and kindness and compassion, at least in my own eyes. This is my brain doing this. So I, I'm trying to break myself out of the habit of, all right, have a good night. Well, right. who are you to tell me what to do is how yeah. I receive it rather than honestly hope that the rest of the evening goes well and that you rest smoothly. And I, I love how you phrase it because you come to a point of I'm willing to listen. Absolutely. Because when, 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 when you say how you're doing, it's like an open ending. Like, how you doing? OK, I'm, I'm just going to say this so I can get it out of the way just to front that I'm trying to be nice. But and I even think- in that how you're doing, are you really listening? Yeah. So like, let's say you come from somebody, you're like, yo, how you holding up? How you doing? Oh, man, I'm having a crap day. Yo, that, you know, I feel that. All right, I'm going to get going. You, why did you ask if you're not going to listen? <laughs> and so all of that to say, it comes down and boils down to a shifting of the language. Yeah. What language are we speaking? And this is how we're going to continue to raise awareness. This is how we're, I, I wrote down right here, Boyd, mental health experiences. Never again am I going to speak to a mental health struggle. I'm having mental health experiences. Just like you said, man. I love that. <laughs> Boy, you got the mic, brother. I know you got something to say. <laughs> it's scary not to be selfish if you've always grown up selfish. And if you're mm-hmm. selfish, you're probably your inner circle, even though they're nice to you, they're selfish. So you're not having the the outcomes reinforced of what could happen if you live a little more selfless and that's a good point that's a cliche word it's become you live a little bit more with your focus on trying to have some see if you can inspire someone else to smile and that goes back to creating that feeling when you meet someone if i create a feeling as opposed if i give them a feeling as opposed to give them something tangible it didn't cost me anything but that's the thing that may save their life as brother caesar said you give someone a feeling that moment that they matter like they effing matter that you matter enough that I'm a stranger and I want to know how what's on, how's your heart? <laughs> how's it going? <laughs> yeah. um, I think that, but it's, it's scary. I don't know if it maybe starts in childhood and then that's the, what, how your parents are raising you. And usually, you know, we find it's for us, we can't understand why people are afraid because our circle involves minds like ours. Yeah. So you're trying to preach to people that don't have that reinforced like with anyone because they're surrounding themselves with similar minded with the I, the me, what's, how can I achieve? How can I get whatever, whatever I know. And then they usually have smaller worlds when they tell stories, for examples of people getting over, well, I know this guy, well, this guy did this. And that means all of them. And I'm like, you know what? I know a couple of people too. You know, there's 300 million in this country, right? I know a couple people. <laughs> yeah, I know this one and this one guy. And then that one guy I was like, you could say a million people, you know, and a million. That's a lot. But that's a third of a percent of our yeah. country. You can know a million. I'm not saying a million's not, but that's a put that in perspective. Don't come at me with I know this guy or that guy or this guy did this. So that's why that's one. But probably your bubble who that your life. Your reality is who you're with, and that's your universe. So if your universe is selfish, that's all you know, and it's scary. Mm-hmm. So they're like, what do you mean give somebody a, a feeling? I'm going to go out of my way to make somebody just think about what you, what's wrong with that. And yeah. you know what else? They've never tried it probably mm-hmm. because they're so used to the exchanging of physical things. I give, I receive, or whatever. And when you give someone a feeling, you have somebody who you have no idea will think about you when you're not around. And in a bright way, because how you made them feel, and 
and be there when you least suspect it. I bet anybody whose brother sees us come up and taking that time out, they look for him to show back up. They mm -hmm. wake up in the morning thinking yeah. about, I hope he comes in today to order some stuff. Yeah. Because I get to connect with a human that's not asking me for anything, that actually cares about me. Like I matter, at least to yeah. one person, I matter. So that that's about, I don't know. It, it's You have to be, it's some fearlessness. You have to practice giving feelings. Hey, can I add to this? Go ahead, brother. Go for practice. It. It, it, what we're speaking, like what Boyd and I are talking about, it, it, they're dynamic actions. You have to put them into some sort of play. It's, I, I, Boyd all day will tell you, this is a jab, this is a cross, this is a hook, this is an uppercut. I don't even want to know how many millions of those punches you've thrown in your life. Or got hit by or got hit by them. So the point is, is that you he conditioned the conditioning of his body. So the point where he's 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 dodging, he's ducking, and his body would then react. He wasn't thinking; his body would then go. So we have to practice being kind. I'm going to tell you something. Fact of life: we are born as infants with two fears already inundated in our genetic predisposition. Yeah. One is the fear of loud noises, and one is the fear of falling. So with that said, everything else that we are afraid of, we are taught or we learn. So in the same light that we learn hate, in the same line that we learn what objectification means, in the same light that we learn how to misogynistically treat women, speaking as a man, we can unlearn. Yeah. It takes practice. The neural pathways that can, that our brains are consisted of in the same shape, way, and form that we create the habits to throw punches, the same way that we create this is our favorite route to work every day, we can create. We just have to play at understanding. The mind is malleable, and it's the hardest thing in the world to do. So who you're talking to right now, current day, September 23rd, year of our Lord, 2021, Caesar. This wasn't me three months ago. Yeah. This wasn't me six months ago. It's ever it's ever changing. So the impermanence of where we are means we have to speak to how we continually practice being nice. How do we continually practice being kind and compassionate and inclusive? And a lot of people who unfortunately lead with hate, that's, that's all they know. That's all they've practiced. That's what they're comfortable with. So it's no... It, it it it's understandable why they remain in that place because it's what they know. Yeah, so true. And I think we lost Boyd. But we did for a moment. I hope he comes we, back. We do. We we hopefully he comes back. Hopefully. Um, but going into like the earlier theme of the show, um, mental health, and uh, there we go. It's like a ninja. I thought I got like a ninja. No, You're like no, a ninja. Never man. that. Not by us. That's 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 gonna be your other nickname, the ninja. <laughs> <Like Chris Farley? laughs> that ninja. <laughs> but but like we were talking about um, earlier, um, when it comes to mental health and caregiver, you know, that's one of the selfless acts you can do. Be there for your parents. Um. But also there's that struggle too, because you know, you, you, you want to be there for your parents, you love them, but at the same time, you know, you want to live your life. And I know it's a challenge for both of you guys, because both of you guys are caregivers. So kind of take me into that world 
I wanted to share one more thing, please. Okay, okay. brother, before we go. Yeah, go ahead, brother. Brother Caesar, when he brought up about how he goes and asks how the gentleman, how his heart is. I got this spot a few blocks away on the Upper West that I go into um, to get some food sometimes. And one of the guys behind there, he always has a tired look on his face. And I used to start making conversations, try to make him giggle or whatever. And then finally, I was brought up and I said, I said, how many hours a day do you work? And he goes, how many days a week? And he was like, six days. I said, how many hours? He goes, like, like 16 hours or whatever. Mm. I said, do you have any children at home? He said, I have a little girl. And I said, show me the picture. And then uh, I said, it was, she was like, one, beautiful, this smile. And then I said, I said, I get why you work so hard now. I said, this is your why. Wow. And he's smiling. And then I said, it's interesting because I have a lot more time on my hands than you do. Oh, shoot. It's probably going to shut. I don't know why this is happening. I have a lot more time on my hands than you do. But your pain is what I dream of. Wow. Kept being exhausted every day so I could do this to provide for the little girl I don't have yet that I dream of having. Because all mm. I want at this stage wow. in my life as I turn 40 next month is mm. to be a daddy to a little girl. Wow. So I want you to remember every time it's hard that your pain, you're living another man's dream every time. Mm. And I always ask him about his daughter and I get the smiles going on and I remind him and I got teary eyed once when I was saying it. And, and I said to him, I said, I hope you're exhausted. You're dead tired today. I hope you want a break because I want you to remember you're living my dream. Mm. I want you to remember when you leave house in the morning, you leave the house in the morning, what's waiting for you when you come home that I don't have, that I long for, I go home alone. I long for what you have. So get tired. It's like if I'm in a training camp and I want to explode, some just I want it to be over. This is my blessing because what it's for. And that's a powerful way to look at it, brother. Because that's the one thing too is like I know that father's probably tired, but when he gets home, opens up that door, that daughter's probably smiling at him, daddy, giving him that big hug. And this, that's his girl dad moment right there, just him and his daughter. And then I can, I can imagine they have tea time. I'm just assuming, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but, but or, or they wrestle and play soccer. Let's not. Let's yeah, not that's true. He was saying that thinking they were British. That's the only reason he said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just assuming. And when you assume, you make an ass out of you. So I'm just assuming. <laughs> Again, language is language. We're just rewriting. There's no gender yes. specificity to any activity. Little boys want to go and have tea time. Let them have tea time too. <laughs> anyway, we're past the two minute mark of YouTube, so we're good. <laughs> That's a rule. Yeah, like the two minutes. You have two minutes on YouTube. Huh? Yeah, you can. Cur- yeah. Bro, watch what you have. You may be careful what you wish for. You may lose. Oh, I don't care, bro. I, 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 bro, I, I love the unfiltered Boyd. Because <laughs> you get the best out of Boyd when he's unfiltered. But going back to, you know, mental health and, and being a caregiver, can you kind of take me into your world? Well, I can only speak for myself. Um I've been a caregiver for a long time as a guide and a teacher, uh, beginning with dance that I started teaching. So anytime you're in a position of leadership, uh, when I was in the military, you were always 
responsible for someone. And so what I only just recently learned about, because this is what led ultimately to a major burnout and a major incident in June of 2020 in the midst of the pandemic was caregivers may suffer from what we call vicarious traumas. So as a caregiver, the empath in us is of course kind and compassionate and caring, but we have to be careful not to absorb too much and not figure out a way to release. And so I, for years and years, was soaking in, because I'm an ear, I'm gonna listen, students, my family, the last few months being with my father, caretaking during his cancer treatments. And by the way, he's on the mend, my friends, we're about 85% there towards being completely 100% healthy and out of the woods, we got a few things a few hurdles we're going over, but he's in good spirits. Oh, thank God for that. Um, so with that said, I learned what the idea of burnout is and actual compassion fatigue. So compassion fatigue is feeling someone else's tiredness, feeling someone else's pain. A vicarious trauma is your trauma then becomes mine. So I have learned really within, only within the last six to seven months, how to set boundaries. So for me, being a caregiver means, means what is it that I'm going to be able to do for my dad to cite one example? And this can apply to any one of my students, one of my coaching, consulting clients, to someone I meet on the street and just happen to get into a conversation with. For example, I flew into LaGuardia last week, left the airport baggage claim area waiting for my ride and saw a gentleman over by one of the pillars just broken down, sobbing. And I thought, oh, I, I don't know what's going on. So I went over to the local store and I grabbed some napkins. And all I did was walk up, politely put a hand up, and handed him the napkins. And he just immediately started to wipe his face. But it was like, what can I do? I can't do anything other than know that I saw that, I witnessed it. And so I wanted him to know that he was seen and that he was heard and that he wasn't alone. So what happens if someone's crying and someone hands you a tissue? It's because you you got snot, everything, tears. And so I said nothing. And he, and he was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, no, you don't even need to apologize. The reason I said that is as soon as I walked away, I went and literally shook it off. Right. A few jumping jacks. I did a couple push-ups because I would have sat there and thought about that moment. I would have sat there and thought, what is it that he was crying about? What was wrong in that then emotionally would have put me in a particular place. And as I was leaving, I turned one last time just to make sure he was okay. And he turned and he just, the loudest, most heartfelt, thank you. Wow. Hand to heart. I said to him, I got you, brother. Wow. So with that said, as a caregiver, how do you still be there for people? And I think what's important is to figure out what you need to do in order to find some sort of release so that you yourself aren't inundated. And that's what I've been doing. So I, I take time to jump on the motorcycle. I take time to go and enjoy activities that I enjoy. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Boy. <laughs> compassion fatigue. It makes it so hard. Why can't I go first? I don't have to follow him. <laughs> that, that compassion fatigue. It's interesting. So my mother's covered. I told my mother after... 11 months of the, the third 12, I said I was going to move in with Pops to take care of him. My parents were separated so my mother could have some release and relief. 
I said, Mom, I'm starting to get sick. Like, I need to get out of here. I'm feeling it. It's, I'm, it's carrying over in other areas of my life. I'm shorter with people. I'm feeling nasty. I'm feeling sad. And that's not my nature. And my mother's now, since she covered down for a few months all by herself now doing it, she's feeling the same. So she asked me, and I'm moving back in. And I just went there the other day. And, you know, sickness, ha it has, a, it has a, a form outside of the person in the area mm -hmm. that it exists and you feel it if you're paying attention to it. And I had a blow up with my mother when I, shortly after I got there for something that she, a uh, way she was reacting with or doing something, going through something with my father. And since I've been away for a few months, I was like fresh coming in. So I hadn't been jaded by the darkness of that, that sickness presents in that home. And I, I saw an issue with what she was doing and we had a little blow up and later I thought about it and I tech, I text her. And then I told her after I said, mommy, you got to get out of here. You need a few days not to be here at all. I said, there's dark energy in here from this sickness. I feel it. I saw expression on your face while we were going through whatever that it, it almost looked like possessed by wow. emotion that is not you naturally. And then when I saw her in person, I spoke about it. She said, no, it's okay. I just need, like, if you're here, then I can just leave and then come back maybe the next day. And I said, no, no, you need to be out of here for some days, just away from this, because it's a force, it's a dark force, and I'm fresh right now. Right. And it's a tag team, and we're not going to leave him. And we're moving him out to San Diego uh, Thanksgiving for my brother to care for. And I, I told my brother, I, was, I said, Rudy, he has his beautiful home, his great means to help provide for him with caregivers. I said, I, I mean, he works out of his home, and I said, I hope that you have this set up where it's not going to require a second of your time wow. care for, for daddy because it will destroy your business and it will put you into unrest where you need him out of there because it's not like he's doing it on purpose. But when you're caring for someone, especially with some type of psychological, uh, psychiatric condition, he has Parkinson's, my daddy. They're not that person, yet you still see them because you want, you hold on, you don't want to release and give in that they're not, the, they're not the daddy when we were younger. And you still try to convince yourself that they can change, they can beat it, but it's a chemical change. It's not their choice any longer. And something like dopamine, that's our happiness and serotonin. Just to be diagnosed with Parkinson's, your 50% 50, 50 of your dopamine at a minimum has to be depleted. So. You're catching them in moments. They're not that same person. And that was a difficult one for me as a caregiver. And who knows if I've actually fully accepted that he's not that dude anymore. And mm. it's not his fault. And he's not purposely behaving like this. He can't do it different. He just mm. can't. It's not him anymore. This has taken hold and changed him. But I saw that with my mother. So when you say compassion fatigue, I've lived it. I get it. Now, when you say always been a caregiver, you know, I, I, I was a caregiver as a boyfriend, having a girlfriend who was quadriplegic. I was a caregiver. If you want to, I wasn't an everyday caregiver, but if you want to spend time alone with your lady, you got to learn how to do everything. And if she's quadriplegic, you got to learn how to do everything. And I also look at it that maybe that was a blessing because it taught me how to do that at a young age. So I have a comfort knowing how to be that way. But it was different still with her because it didn't affect her mentation, how her, her mind operated so much with chemically it was altered. So, and she was younger with my father, it's different. He's 69, he also has congestive heart failure, 35-year vet, 100% service-connected disabled. It's a, it's a plethora of things, but I had practice with it. But I'd even find myself when I was younger, especially exploding often. And I would explode and being together for six years, 
it took me many years to shake that that explosion and then carrying that drive and determination to help her walk while caring for her while i was boxing professionally all those years in an area in a, in a space funny the only time i felt peace was when i was in the gym because i was present i was present i was working on what i had to do and i, I couldn't do it emotion based but everywhere outside of that from driving and driving and driving i'm in a toxic state all the time of trying to achieve something that's impossible walking if you're paralyzed it's not possible yet rather so it took me being deployed to be alone finally for mm. nine months with no distractions to really understand and look back at, yeah, you could be the greatest person, the greatest intentions, but you're gonna you're gonna get sick yourself, caring for somebody, and it's gonna spill over into all the other areas, and you're gonna create casualties with other relationships, and they're only if that's their first encounter with you, they're only gonna know you by that, and that's not you, and you know it's not you, and you don't understand why you're behaving this way, and you're gonna make excuses that could be justifiable but that still doesn't mean you didn't hurt somebody else while doing it and it's that compassion fatigue that's a great phrase it it exactly is and it seems like the people who have more greater abilities for compassion also have greater empathic abilities so it almost it's a curse it's like a Mm. a burden at the same time Uh, it's the outside world looking and this guy's this person could be so great look at all they're doing and inside your mind you're panicking because I, I, I can't get back to how I know I, I once was. Right. And I want that peace, but I feel this pain and I and I feel the principle behind what I'm doing. And I love this person so much, I, I believe I can do it. I believe I can do it. Right. And there are barriers that come up and it spills. And if you don't have a place to find that release and finding that release and stepping away doesn't mean you're quitting. Stepping away can be you rejuvenate, you're taking the round off. And there's a difference between quitting versus realizing something's not for you or not for you right now. That's a difference. And I think people who tag you or label you with a quitter, they maybe have an experience. Let them live long enough. They'll learn that lesson. Wow. That's, that's, that's Can I tag on something to that? It, it, boy, thank you for sharing, for sharing that. It, it's, it's again, a testament to who you are and the light that you, that you, bestow on us knowing that this is a part of what you've been through for years and years and so one of the things that resonates the most deeply with me is how you maintain that compassion because we as humans we're we're designed by by nature and through evolution to feel the emotions of others that that's what an empath is it's it's feeling with compassion and care and so compassion is isn't supposed to be draining. Like compassion is supposed to be uplifting, but the issue is, is we find ourselves in a state of distress because our body's mirroring what we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we're receiving. And so when we're in the presence of people who are in pain, we literally feel that pain. And sometimes you add to that the hindrances or the obstacles that you can't take away that pain, or you add to that that I I can't provide any relief. So all of that comes into a place of that fatigue, that distress, uh, but ultimately just knowing that because we care and because we care, it sometimes makes the pain that much more frustrating. And so hopefully we find ourselves in a position where once we understand the basic 
wiring of human nature. And like, I, I didn't know that. I had to learn that. I wasn't aware of that. And so for the first 44 years of my life, I was like, oh, I'm being an asshole because somebody was an asshole to me. So that's what I'm supposed to do. And no, we can rewrite all of that. So in the same way that we were talking earlier about being able to shift mindsets, all of that, all of that is, is uniformly possible. Thanks. No, no, that's that's true. And um, the question I want to ask is, you know, again, changing our mindset is um, giving it a name and giving it what are the symptoms of it. So I love the phrase uh, compassionate fatigue. So what are the symptoms of compassionate fatigue? Well, I mean, I'd like to jump in and first and foremost say that I'm not a licensed therapist, counselor, so for myself, what I noticed was the agitation. I noticed that I felt upset. I felt angry. I felt closeted. I felt closed in, whereas normally I might not have been. And so it got to a place where my anger boiled over. And what I've learned through my therapies is that my anger served a purpose to protect me. So for some reason, my body thought that I needed protecting. So then I would get angry. And so symptomatically, it's going to vary. So I'm going to preface all of that by saying what I'm sharing is my experience, but it may cause someone else to be quieter, more reserved, less attentive. Maybe they completely disconnect. That's what we call disassociation. So I don't know if it's fair to ask what the symptoms are. What I'd love to hear is potentially, Boyd, if you're willing to share like what came up for you, right. but just know, listeners, that this may vary from person to person. And it actually may vary within the same individual depending on what it is that's agitating you. Yeah. Because you can get triggered a certain way by one thing, and within the same time frame, something else triggers you and your body reacts in a completely different way. I agree, brother. The the words you were saying when, when you were giving it, uh, was you like wound up or you feel tight? I I feel like tight, like rubber band, like yeah. tight, pulled back. So for me, it would be like that rubber band would then just snap, and that's when, for me, the the flow, the anger would flow out of out of me verbally. That my body would grow. I would think that I was nine foot twelve, and I'm not. I ain't number five nine, one seventy. <laughs> but I would think that I was walking around six foot eight, three twenty. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, for me, that that's what showed for me. I would feel an immediate tightening of my body, as if it was a rubber band being pulled back. But yeah, personally, for you, boy, what what were some of the signs for you that triggered you? Like, I, I would feel alone. Mm. I would feel alone and I feel confused. I couldn't understand why others would not feel compassion towards it as well at times. And what do they say about uh, protest is the voice of, is what the act of a man who doesn't feel his voice is heard. Yeah. Mm. I, I would erupt and, and I have to scream and let it because it would be this buildup of feeling alone and and getting frustrated with humans that they just don't care. Why don't you care enough if there's nothing for you to gain? Why is 
not just helping somebody else enough. Why isn't it enough, damn it? Don't you know that could be you? Mm. Don't you know that could be your mama? I mean, is you gonna meet someone who you care about, you live long enough that it's gonna hit come home. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be, don't you care enough? Why don't you? And so I would explode and feel misunderstood and 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 the big one is a loneliness. It uh, no compassion hurts, but the people who show we don't do it by choice. Right. I think to naturally do it, uh, you know, the genesis of it organically, it, it just we don't have a choice, and it's a burden. And I would get angry, and it would be interesting because it was such a polarization of the person I was in the compassionate state. You would never imagine that that could also be me. But I would say, you think that if I can have a capacity to love this much, it only exists on that side. It can that capacity for emotion can go span the spectrum with the right trigger. And I was not happy how often it used to happen, and I wouldn't slow myself down, and constantly keeping yourself in the space with the person you're experiencing the compassion for towards and for keeps you triggered almost always ready to go off and that's where you need that space to create at times to take care of, of, of your mind and your heart for a little bit and refresh and get that round off so the loneliness was the biggest one and it's a, I, I told a story once i spoke at the company workday and I, about the, why the life of an eagle is destined for loneliness. And that's because when you go high enough that you're trying to get to a certain place and it's your vision, it's, it's very hard to have someone have a, your vision that they care about as much as you do. Hmm. And you're going to end up, everyone's going to fall. You know, the higher up you get, the harder it is to breathe. They're going to start worrying about their own lives. But then when you find yourself caring about a vision, perhaps even more than their own person does for their own life. And you care about their life more than they do. That's a whole nother world of frustration. When you have a, you're a family member who has cancer and they're still smoking cigarettes. I'm not saying that's your family at all. I'm giving that example. Right. Or a father who can't, shouldn't be eating certain types of meats with his congestive heart failure. Right. And he says, let's pull over and get McDonald's. And you look at him like, dude. Wow. You know what's going to happen if you die? I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. I'm going to get hurt. You yeah. think you're the only one? I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. I'm not getting you that damn shit. Yeah. And that's another type that hurts. And that keeps you excited in that state where you just a trigger ready to go off on someone. And it's not healthy. And that's a hard one when you feel like you're caring about helping somebody with something more than they're caring about themselves doing it. It stinks. And it makes you feel alone. And I think too, the one thing too that makes you feel alone too is you know, when you, you talk about when you have this vision and you put your vision on hold or you put it on break to be there for the people that you love. Can you talk about that 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 adds to that to the loneliness? Because it basically puts a hold out of what you want to do out of life, you know want to get married, have kids, you know, you, you have this ultimate view of what you want to do, but now you have to pause it. So if one of you guys want to touch that, touch on that a little bit. Take it, brother. 
Well, the first thing that comes up for me is is the word impermanence. So I, I've, again, had to dynamically practice understanding that whatever is happening now is going to unequivocally shift. And so I used to get so frustrated and get so agitated and would grind my teeth and I'd feel that rubber band tension in my body because I'm like, no, this isn't the way it's supposed to. I don't, no, listen to me. This, and now I'm like, okay, you, you want to hear me out? Great. You don't? Cool. And this is part of what I teach now. The idea of pausing, reflecting, feeling, observing, that one conscious controlled deep breath. And maybe this is something we can save for another episode. Yo, it's going to be the Ish, Caesar, and Boyd show all day, every day. But I mean, I could talk to you for the next four hours on the importance of breath work and why it's healing and why it's restorative and why it's reformative and why it's rejuvenative and why the power to re-energize lies within you. You are a superhero. You are a super shero, And those superpowers lie within the body's respiratory system. The body's respiratory system is the only system we can voluntarily control. So in those moments where we start to feel the tension, that moment where there's potential agitation growing or closing in on you, anxiety, pause, take the breath, extend the exhale. The extension of the exhale activates the body's vagus nerve. The body's vagus nerve is what activates the body's parasympathetic nervous system. That's the automatic physiological activation of a decompression and a calming effect. We're not often told enough to breathe. We think meditation has to happen sitting in lotus pose on a mountain, stroking your beard. No, you can meditate driving to work. You can meditate finding yourself in a conversation with someone. If you can put yourself in a place to listen, in order to listen, in order to listen, to be present, this is what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is nothing other than mindful thinking. It's it's a relaxed state of alertness. I'm always on edge, friends. Don't get me wrong. I have to battle what it is that I battle in my own heart and in my own mind hourly. But I'm in a better position to respond. So for me, it's understanding that the situation will shift, even right now where we are, what's happening, this conversation is going to end soon, knowing that it's going to come to an end. So that little time that we do have on this earth, that little time that we do get to spend creating that dash in between the born year and the death year, what do you want to fill it with? Well, I decided I'm tired of the BS. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I ain't got time for it anymore. Wow. It doesn't mean that I don't care. It doesn't mean that I don't get pissed off. It doesn't mean that I don't get aggravated. It just means that I know now how to sit with it, feel it, ask myself, what do I need? And then move on. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. Boy. I don't remember the question again. I got caught listening. What I alluded to earlier in the question was, how do you deal with, you know, you know, you have this vision and you put it on hold to take care of your family. And, you know, that's a part of that loneliness element is like because your your vision is on hold, you get frustrated because you stop everything what you want to do to just be there for your family. So can you kind of like take me into that that frustration of putting your vision on hold? Well, it evolves over time. I take responsibility. Mm. It evolves 
it has evolved over time. I, I talk to myself out loud a lot now so that I don't keep my thoughts in my head. And I talk to myself about what I have gained. So I hear it and what matters to me. And so if I, I'm gonna make an ex I, I've been living now in flux between my fathers in different places and it's making me, I don't have much stability right now. So my father's been renting out my friend's place. I knew I was gonna go back to him and it's making it challenging with relationship and this. And so I could think about my vision and I really started hitting home right around when I got deployed and wanted to start my own family. It's getting put on hold. So I'll talk out loud instead of the inner narrative of focusing on what I've given up. Well, I love the hell out of my daddy. I'm getting this time with him. I know what I'm I'm losing out on, but was I, I know how bad it's gonna hurt when he's not, I don't know. I know that moment's waiting for me when I have to say goodbye to him, it's there. So I'm getting my time with him. I'm getting my time with my daddy. As hard as it is, I know that it's running out quicker and quicker and quicker. That dash is approaching toward the right side of that equation more quick. So I speak out loud what I've given up and what I'm gaining and I pack it with details. So it's not just like, I get time with my father. No, I get time with my father who has Parkinson's, who was there for me my whole childhood. Always, he was there more as an adult even, flying around the world when I was competing everywhere. And he loves me, he truly loves me. My father told me, and I've, I've repeated this aloud to myself and I told my friend, he said, the saddest thing, sad, the thing I'm most sad about when I pass is that I know for certain there won't be another man alive that will do absolutely anything on this planet for him. Mm -hmm. He says that, and he said, that's the thing I have to live with. And it's why I'm so sad about when I, when, as this time's coming. So I say that out loud. So it makes it worth it. It makes it, because I know that pain is waiting for me. I don't want to just live in the selfish, the high part of, I keep having to bounce in this age I am and it's making it harder to meet somebody, um, which I actually have met somebody you saw yesterday. She's wonderful. Yes. Yes. Yeah, she's really wonderful. It's uh, That's what I do. I say it out loud to really what I am I gaining by doing this and what matters because we forget why we made the choices in the first place often. Similar to, I tell people, if you're dip out in the demons of, you survivors guilt, survivors guilt when you were deployed and, and people you were in charge of or you're just your brothers and sisters out there, they may have got killed. And that's why you stay stuck and you don't remember, well, why'd you join in the first place? What, what were those emotions like? Yeah. What it feel like to be proud to put yourself in that position? I'm in a position right now that I'm not so happy because I'm taking care of my daddy. So fuck the rest of it. Yeah. Wow. Taking care of my daddy. Like he took care of me when I was a little boy. Yeah. And fortunately I have someone to help my mother to help. So again, I don't know if how long I could be in this space for, but at least for right now I can do it. I got my break. I'm moving back in. That's my daddy. So I got it. And, and there's nothing wrong for those that can't handle it anymore, but give yourself a chance to see if you can. Don't think about what you're going to miss out on. Pack it with the details of what, what, who was your daddy your whole childhood? Who was he or who else loves or what? Or if your daddy was horrible to you, but your values are you're there for family first. I'm here because I believe and I preach to people to be there for their family. I believe that 
you sacrifice for those and maybe those other people watching, I can tell this story to one day so that they can make a tougher decision and be there for someone they love that they may have felt spited by or hurt. My father didn't do that to me in my childhood, but still find your narrative, find your story you're telling and say that shit out loud. So that's what helps me through the sadness. Wow. Thank you, brother boy. I love you for that, man. I love it. <laughs> and I love Caesar too. Um, <laughs> nothing but love. Nothing but love here. I love it. This was an amazing conversation. But before we we end the conversation, what can, can I find you, brothers? Tell me, what can I find you, brothers, on that? What is your social media? Oh, not not yet, not yet. That's not. Oh, no, there's one more question. No, no. Again, stop assuming because when you assume, you make it out of you. <laughs> <laughs> But, but but my last question is, um, someone that's, uh, that's watching this that's probably going through similar what you guys are going through, the importance of not keeping it in. Because I know a lot of people that are caregivers, they have a tendency of not mm. telling their narrative. They keep it inside and it gets to a point where they break down and they make it suicide or they hurt somebody. So um, just talk about the, the 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 impact of just letting people know what you're going through and how that can help. You want to jump in, boy? You want me, you want to take oh, it? Please, please. Uh, I'm going to boil it down in a nutshell to this: suppression leads to depression. Expression is the opposite of depression. So, a don't hold it in. Talk to somebody. There are a number of services and support centers. I mean, there are 1-800 numbers you could potentially call. So if you're listening and you feel like you're not heard or that you're not understood, I guarantee you there are people out there who are more than willing to listen. Suppression leads to depression. Expression is the opposite of depression. The importance of letting it out. And so if it's not talking to someone one-on-one, maybe it's you take an artistic approach. Maybe it's painting. Maybe it's thousand piece puzzles. Maybe it's playing ball. Maybe it's going on a run. Maybe it's something on a bike. It, maybe it's going on a drive. Listen to your favorite music. Honestly, you're not alone. You're absolutely seen, you're absolutely heard, and you're absolutely loved. Wow. I don't know how you're gonna follow that up, boy, but go for it. Honestly. <laughs> question again oh my well all right uh basically you, know what you said you know what i said right no, you better know what you said so you i know, know what i said all right <laughs> basically what i said is what do you want to tell people that's going through the same situation you're going in because often what happens is um people aren't willing to let out what they're feeling they suppress it so what do you want to tell people that's going through similar to what you're going through. So people, you don't have to have gone through the same experience to understand the emotion. And that's a big one there. And I say, you know, LeBron James falling short winning a, a ring. So giving that example and that devastation. Yeah, well, for me, I had a crush on a girl forever and I finally asked her out and she said no 
and that's the best that most I've lived for me. That is my that shocked my whole world the same way. So you can connect with someone over emotion. I'm saying that because you'd be surprised how many people have gone through emotions that you're feeling. Maybe not the same experiences, and it's the quickest way to make a friend. Yeah. And I'd imagine like, so let's say I'm walking and some dude. Where I live, so there's, there's a lot of brothers around up here. So let's say, and some that look a little street, and let's say they, it's a mix where I live on the Upper West, 104th. So they bump, they bump into me, and I know what I look like. So I'm qu somebody quick who they probably want to challenge. And let's say they're like, "Man, what the f? What watch you're going?" And I just look at them and I say, "Dude, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. My father has Parkinson's. I'm taking care of him. Watch." People, people understand pain. Everybody just about has at least an old, one older male they care about. And if you say it, watch that compassion. And I get be my honesty. And it's usually the person never expecting that to come. Yeah. You put it on out, you'd be surprised what you have in common. There's only a, so many emotions. So it's, it's going to get tapped into. So you live long enough. So don't be afraid to share. You'd be surprised what you got in common. Mental health experience. We all it unites everyone alive. We all we all have not the physical experience of going through something, how it affects us, the emotions. We all there's only a certain amount. So don't be afraid. Don't think you're alone when it comes to that. You may be alone in the and what's happened. The specifics of something be high a fluke, but the emotion and. Don't, when you say it out loud, even when you're by yourself, it allows you to have something to examine. So you can't skip words to make it fit into a pattern that you want it to fit in because you you find comfort in being in that pain. So you kind of want to be in there and feel sorry for yourself or hurt or I can't believe what life is doing to me. It is doing it to you, but do you want to live? I mean, do you still want to live? And if you do, that's the first part. And you'd be surprised how many, there's only a certain set of emotions. Say it, be honest, like be vulnerable. Everyone wants to be vulnerable. They just want to trust who they're yeah. showing it to. Yes. It's like, who's going to go first? Everyone wants to. Like I tell people all the time, I'm fucked up too. Are you having a bad day? I'm fucked up too. You want to yeah. talk about it? <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> You know how many people I hurt while trying to chase my dreams? Mm. Not on purpose, yeah. but then, like, you just live. That, that's my say. Set. That's that's speaking the truth. Preach the truth. Yeah. You say it. Don't, you need the piano guy. You need the piano guy in the background mm. with that gospel. So, fellas, with that, I just want to say real quick, if you can just. Go ahead, brother. No, no, no. I was doing your part. No, no. You can do my part for me. All right. Let me remember what the question was that I asked. Since you got to ask me to say it again. So, because you got to play me that you forgot what I, 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 I forgot. <laughs> Damn, son. Did you really forget? Damn, son. Yeah. I'm all right. That, that was what you were thinking. Right. Uh, yeah. If you're gonna forget what two minutes passed from that, I know you remember. You just give me a hard time. I know. Guys, my uh, <laughs> I just like to say this: your dad is in the mound, and uh, I appreciate your time. And you guys are wonderful. 
And uh, if you could real quick, please just uh, let, let the audience listening know what your handles are, where they can find you on social media so they can follow you, please. <laughs> Jumping in. Uh, again, always a pleasure. Uh, I can be found on all of the social media handles except TikTok because I don't understand it. I don't like it. <laughs> so <laughs> everything else at Caesar F. Barajas, like it's written right there. Yeah. Right there. And be sure to check out www.thejourneywithcaesar.com. Yeah, check me out. Can't wait to run into any and all of you at some point safely. Definitely. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated. Yeah. That's right. And how can I find you, boy? And to check out Caesar's IG page, his pictures are phenomenal. Yes, ah, you're amazing, man. Talk the hell out of that thing. Those pictures are. Please, <laughs> 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 um, I'm serious. They're like all artwork of him. It's him, yeah. but they look like they were painted or drawn. Or... <laughs> They're incredible. Thanks, See man. that 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 could be your TikTok right there. Just turn those into videos. Yeah. There you go. That, that means time trying to learn how to post it and all that. I don't have time for all that. I'd rather be with my dad. I hear you. <laughs> um, Boyd Melson, that's Amazon Mary. Boyd Melson, that's on all the plat the main ones. For me, I'm mostly on Facebook and Instagram. And I got somebody who knew for you to, to be a guest for you. Um, Anthony Mason's from the Knicks, oh. his son, Antoine Mason. I told okay. him I was coming on. He plays ball, always oh, been playing ball internationally for many years. College. You know, we're still recording. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to edit. We're highlighting the next guest. When I told him I was talking about mental health tonight, he said, I would love to be a guest to speak about that. Oh, that's and, dope. I appreciate yeah. that. That's, that's why really I love dope. Yeah, so that's what I—that's what I want. That's my my going away gift to make. I appreciate that. Disgruntled guest. And before we go, can you show your action figure? You know he has the action figure, oh, right? Do it's at my father's. Oh, oh that's amazing. And yeah, this it, well, this is the mug. <laughs> <laughs> it looks just like that. Yeah, it looks just like that. I do. I, thank you. I, I do have an action for. Thank you to Ish for nominating me for that. Before and you both. I have thank you. Yeah. For taking care of us. Yeah. Always. Always a pleasure, my man. Thank you. Thank you. And we are out. Please like, subscribe, all that good stuff. If not, oh well. But this was a great conversation. Yeah, yo There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here by that I'm behind you But always got you, end of discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded, prepare you For all of the above that I'm never letting get near you But still in all, give you every advantage I found Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown And since the baton was passed, hopping down Cause feeling's not an option, and dad is not a noun Not at all my message to any dad, man, first off, know that, yeah, it, it is a hard job, but it's the greatest job in the world. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't change anything about it. 
everything you're doing from here on out. If it didn't have purpose before, now it has purpose. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. Just be a dad.